This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Key is just really think about it in terms of what can you talk about as if no one is listening and as if no one is paying you for it because you just love talking about it. And if you come at it from that standpoint where you find a subject that really just puts fire in your soul and you really just love this particular subject, then you just stop getting so hung up on everything else in terms of the discovery, in terms of you know the downloads and all that. And you're gonna to wanna to do it consistently. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Real Real Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and as always, I'm very happy to be sitting on the mic with you. I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, I actually had a microphone that plugged into like a stereo and I would do like talent shows and singing shows for my family and I would record myself and I would recruit my siblings to do these and having a microphone just made me feel like a superstar when I was younger. I always wanted to be like on Disney Channel. I wanted to, you know, be somewhat famous. Like that was always something that I wanted to do when I was younger and the microphone literally made me feel like I was Hannah Montana or something like that. So I kind of feel that way on the podcast. I'm not going to lie because I have like one of those handheld microphones and I just feel so legit. Like I feel like a superstar whenever I'm on the mic with you. And you know, you make me feel that way because there are actual listeners listening to this. It is not just my parents when I'm like nine years old and they're like, okay, gotta, gotta sit through this for my child. So thank you guys for choosing to be here (laughs) and listening to me and making me feel like the superstar I dreamed of when I was younger. It's a little sentimental, I know, but I just wanted to say that because today more than ever, I'm like feeling that way for some reason. And I don't know why, because it's not like I'm dressed up. It's not like I'm doing anything special. In fact, I am actually sitting here on my chair, which I just got a new chair. That's like an ergonomic chair. It's supposed to help with back pain and I have scoliosis. So it's supposed to help with that. Just not like worsen it, I guess. But anyways, besides the point, I'm sitting here on this chair. I just got my face micro needled, which if you don't know what it is, it's like 32 tiny, tiny, tiny metal needles going into your face at like a rapid speed. And it goes into like all across your face. And it kind of feels like laser hair removal if any of you have gotten that done. But they do put a numbing cream, so it doesn't hurt that badly. But just got my face micro needled. So my face is like bloodshot. It's very, very red sitting here in a sweatshirt and leggings. And that's how I'm recording this intro for you. So I still feel like a superstar, even though, you know, I'm, I might not look like one right now. I don't know how we got on this topic, but you know what? That's okay. Because I just love chatting with you guys in these intros. I feel like Honestly, sometimes I feel like the podcast knows me better than my YouTube channel, which is funny because I get like similar views. I, I get a little bit more on YouTube than I do on the podcast slightly, but I just feel like I, I obviously engage more with my YouTube subscribers because of like YouTube comments and podcasting. All I can see are your reviews, which by the way, mean so much to me. They mean more to me than like any other form of communication, I guess, because it's something that I feel like takes a second out of your day that you're not normally thinking about it. So when you do leave a review, it's very meaningful. So thank you for that. So being on the podcast, Mike, I just feel so much more open with you guys. I feel like I share so much more than I do even on my other social media channels. So if you're listening to this, just know that you are incredibly special and I absolutely love being on this mic. I feel like I just have not as big of a filter on this mic than any other social media channel. So I wanted to thank you guys for that. But I also wanted to share, speaking of podcasts, and in light of this episode, which I know, I'm sure that you see the title, but you know, just get, keep, keep it going for the intro. Today, I did want to share a few of my favorite podcasts because I think that we should share the love. So if you like this podcast, share it with your friends. If you have favorite podcasts in mind, share it with your friends, share it with me. I always love hearing about new podcast recommendations. But this morning, I was listening actually to Life with Mariana which is Marianne Hewitt's podcast and Barbara from Shark Tank was on it. And it was one of those episodes that just like really, really, really spoke to me. And 
like I was obsessed with it. I'm like, I need Barbara on my podcast. She was just such an amazing guest. And there was so much that she said that I completely resonated with. And it's like very, very, very in line with what I'm going with right now with Rella. And it was just inspiring. And then also I was listening to the OK Sis podcast, which they were recently on my show and I was also on theirs, but they did an entrepreneurial Q&A, which I'm totally stealing the idea and I'm going to do it on the Real Real podcast coming up soon. Um, so definitely follow the podcast if you want to be able to ask questions. But with that podcast, I was like, holy cow, like I truly think like Scout and Maddie and I are like so similar. Like I feel look, I'm half of Scout and half of Maddie. Like there's so much that I related to uh, with both of them. And so that was another, just like one of my favorite podcasts that I feel like I definitely relate to a ton. And it was just such a good episode. And I think I've just been like gearing more towards very entrepreneurial podcasts because that's the stage of life that I'm in. But what I love about podcasts is that you can really relate to one and you can like find the one that you relate to the most and just it inspires your entire day. Like I feel so inspired after listening to those two podcasts this morning. So the okay sis one and the life with Mariana one. And then I also listened to another one with the girls building empires podcast, which I also had Madison on mine and I I was on her podcast, but that was another one. She had Whitney Eckes, I believe on the podcast and it was just such an inspiring episode and I feel like I'm ready to like tackle the day and like I can't wait to sit down and do work. So I know I talked last week about like de-stressing and finding creativity and finding inspiration, but that's definitely how I felt this week and today, honestly, with listening to these podcasts. And I hope, I hope that this podcast, The Real Real, does that for you too. So if it does, obviously share it. If you would like, um, take a screenshot, post it on your story, give it a five-star review. But I just thought that I wanted to share that because I think you should always share the love with what inspires you and share the knowledge. And I think that it's one of those things that we shouldn't like keep to ourselves. Like it's something that other people should know and should listen to. So I just wanted to say that I really hope that this episode inspires you. And I think it will, even if you aren't necessarily a podcaster, I think this episode will be interesting. But if you're someone who has started a podcast recently, looking to start a podcast, looking for a sign that you should start a podcast, or just interested in hearing about the podcast industry, I definitely think that this episode is for you. And I say podcast industry because there were so many things that I did not know about. So for example, influencer industry, social media industry, I feel like I can, I, I know it. Like I know it very well. I've been in it. I've been immersed in it. And I've kind of always looped it into the podcast industry, but I had no idea that it was like a whole industry on its own. So I'm very excited to talk to the guest today, which is Steve Olsher, who is like original podcast, <laughs> podcast, like host, original podcast master. Like I'm super excited to talk to him, but in the interview that you'll be hearing, it really got me thinking of how much I really truly love this podcast. I mean, you know, I always tell you that it, it feels like I'm literally having a therapy session. I'm so open. It's like I'm chatting with a friend. I'm catching up with a friend. I feel like a superstar. Like these are all good things, guys. These are all amazing things. And it's because of this podcast. And I had no idea the full like industry behind it. And so it was super fascinating because it's something that like, I'm obviously a podcast host. That's something that I consider myself, but there's so much that I didn't know about it. And one of the things that I didn't know is that there is a market for selling podcasts and they don't have to be like massive podcasts. Like you could sell a podcast, which is like a few thousand listeners, probably even less. But when he told me that he was like, are you interested in selling? Like he was honestly, he was trying to buy you. He was trying to buy the real, real podcast. (laughs) Okay. I'm kidding. Um, but I just could never, I could never sell the podcast. Like that is not something that I could ever do. Like I love the show so much. And I love just like having this be an outlet for me. And I love being able to see you guys reposting my podcast on your stories. Like, I don't think you understand how cool it is to see someone listening to something that you created. Like for some reason it hits differently than a YouTube video. Like, don't get me wrong. When you post about watching my YouTube videos, I feel very excited too, but like podcasting is just such a newer medium for me and it's just so different. And when I see you guys watching it, it just really, really makes my day. So I could never, ever sell the podcast at all, but I thought that it was really interesting hearing that like, this is a full fledged business. So I thought that that was really, really cool. And also I am feeling a little 
sentimental speaking about the podcast and how much I love this show. Like I have had some amazing guests that I'm not going to lie. I go back and listen to some old episodes when I want to feel re-inspired because the guests that have inspired me so much. I know I spoke about Marianna Hewitt today uh, listening to her podcast, but she's one of those guests that really, really inspired me. I also have had like CEOs on the podcast before. Um, I've had like really cool business leaders on the podcast before. I've had people that are like head of branding, like last week's episode, for example, I've had a fellow podcasters, fellow influencers. And sometimes I'm just looking for like a pick me up and I'm looking to just feel re-inspired again, because whenever I get off podcast episodes, I'm like, wow, that was good. Like I can tell when an episode is going to be good. So I definitely want to just say that I'm feeling a little sentimental and just appreciative of having this audience. And as soon as I began speaking with our guest, Steve Olsher on today's episode, I knew that it was going to be an informative and interesting interview. And in the grand scheme of things, I'm still new to podcasting. Like I said, like I've been doing it for about two years, which honestly, it sounds like a lot like, oh my God, two years. Like that's kind of a long time. Guess how long Steve Ulcher has been around the podcast world for? He has been around since 2004. That is insane. And I honestly didn't know podcasts were a thing in 2004. I really thought they were a newer medium, but I'm actually rewatching One Tree Hill. And I was watching an episode where Peyton actually was like recording into a mic or like a speaker. And she was like, kind of like talking about her life. And then it, on the computer, it showed like podcast in progress. And Montreal is like from 2005, you know? So I was like, oh my gosh, like podcasts have been around for a very long time. Um, but that is just wild. So I was really excited to have the opportunity to speak with Steve as he is one of the OGs of podcasting and he is such an integral member of the podcast community. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine and has helped thousands of podcasters launch, market, and monetize their podcasts. He truly is a master of podcasting that has so much insight into the industry and how to break into it even through a saturated market. And if you don't believe me, his podcast Reinvention Radio launched in 2009 and is still going strong. He is constantly innovating in the podcast space and is currently working on a marketplace for podcasters to sell their podcasts to interested buyers. I think he would be the perfect person to do that considering his background, but this is still blowing me away and I will be following along with his launch because I think that this will really change the way that the podcast industry is ran and like at least people think about it. But don't worry, guys, I will never sell you. Don't don't worry. <laughs> that is never anything that I would do. But on today's episode, we dive into the importance of finding your unique voice to share with the world, tips to master the game of discoverability and to grow your podcast, and how you can determine your podcast value and whether selling is a viable option. I am super excited to welcome Steve onto the show, so let's just get into the podcast. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. 
Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to theouai.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's theouai.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. You are very welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about just the podcast world in general, your perspective on it. You're kind of like a podcast expert, I would say. So very excited to have you on. We're going to start with setting the record straight, which is some stereotypes and assumptions, and you'll let me know if they're true or false. So the very first one is you need to have millions of downloads to monetize a podcast. Ah, um, well, I would say that it helps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. If you if you have a huge following and a large number of downloads, it certainly doesn't hurt. Now, I will tell you that in it depends on what you're doing, right? I mean, if you have, in some cases, the answer is is yes. If you're looking at your podcast as a business, from the standpoint of most podcasts, when they look at the the options available to them, you know, most podcasters are going to be thinking about, well, if I get to a certain number of downloads, then I can charge a certain amount per thousand the CPM. Right. And so the more downloads I have, the more revenue I can generate from that podcast. Um, so that absolutely can be true and it can work really, really well. But there's very few people who have the ability to make enough money just from downloads from their podcast um, to be able to keep the lights on, let alone make a, a decent living from it. So what what I do know to be true is that if you understand the business of podcasting, which means that you use a podcast as your core visibility strategy, a way to reach those that you are most compelled to serve, then you can certainly move people into, let's just say, complementary products, programs, and services um, that people, uh, certainly your, 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 your fans who are hopefully at, at some point here, loyal, sort of borderline fanatic types of, uh, of consumers of your show, these are folks who are ready, willing, and able to jump in and say yes when you put something else in front of them, right? And so if you use the podcast as a tool to reach them and then you can put forth complimentary offerings, um, then you don't need millions of downloads in order to be successful with a show. So there's the business of podcasting, and then there's actually having your podcast be the business itself. Uh, and both can work really well. Yeah, that's interesting hearing the two sides of it, because I think a lot of times people think of it as the podcast being the business itself. And, you know, I want to start a podcast so I can like get brand deals and make money and have all these listeners. But I think that is so much harder to do versus using the podcast as kind of like a supplement to your another business that you have and using it as a resource or a marketing tactic. And I think that that's another way that you can make money, but it's not like direct, like you said, like, okay, just advertisers on your show and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have the ability to build your credibility, to build your authority, to elevate your status 
by having a podcast. And so who knows what other opportunities that can open up for you, right? I mean, maybe it's speaking gigs. Maybe it's being invited onto summits or webinars. Maybe it's a book deal, right? I mean, there's a lot of different opportunities that can come your way that don't necessarily have to be just all about how much money can I make from this podcast. Just the the fact that you are seen as that credible expert in your respective niche, that often opens up doors um, that frankly wouldn't be open to you if, uh, if it wasn't for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely say that firsthand that podcasting has opened up even a lot of doors for me, even though it's not my main business. And the next one is that podcasts are oversaturated. You know, look, I I will say that there has been an explosion in terms of the number of shows in the last year or so. At the start of the pandemic, uh, there was roughly 1.1 million shows. And now there are over 2.2 million shows. So we've doubled the number of shows just in the last, well, you know, 12, 14, 16 months. And that, that's a huge number of, of new shows. So does that mean that it's saturated? Um, it just means it's more crowded. When you compare the number of podcasts to the number of books that are available in print, or you compare the number of podcasts available to the number of active Instagram accounts or the number of active YouTube channels, right? It's still just a a very small fraction of that total number. What I will say is that it is saturated from the standpoint of probably don't need another interview type show that is just kind of broad based, but we definitely need another interview show that focuses on a specific subject. Right, we definitely need shows that are that are niche oriented. The more general shows, it's just tough to compete with a Joe Rogan or an iHeart or you know one of those sort of companies because they already have you know such a head start and they and they really have very very deep pockets. So the game uh, amongst them and really you know for for everything here, Natalie is is you you have to figure out the game of discovery, and so being one of two point to million shows does make it feel a bit a bit saturated. So you really do have to think about it from the standpoint of discovery and how are people going to know that you that you exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't believe that it's doubled since the pandemic. That is, I did not know that number. That's insane. Yeah. Do you know if the number of listeners has also doubled? Like, have are there now more podcast listeners, or is it really just more podcasts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting question. And from what I have seen, the numbers have not doubled, but there has been a steady increase in terms of the consumption of audio, especially when you include uh, social audio into the mix, right? Like Clubhouse Mm -hmm. and, well, Fireside is starting to do some things and Green Room and Twitter Spaces and, and so on. So when you include social audio into the mix, really social audio is just, for lack of a better term, it's just real time audio, it's just live podcast, so to speak, you are starting to see those numbers consistently climb. Has it doubled? No. Um, but I think uh, if I remember correctly, the last, uh, the last number that I saw was about 12% year over year growth in terms of the number of active listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. I feel like during the pandemic, everyone was like, okay, well, I have nothing else to do. Might as well start a podcast. And I wonder how many of those extra million that were added on how many of them have dropped off because once people start and you have to continue it week after week after week and come up with new ideas and be consistent and edit and upload. I feel like a lot of people are like, Oh, this is not as easy as I once thought. (laughs) I'm not going to do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, the struggle is real from the standpoint of pod fade exists. They talk about pod fade because it's a real thing and it's just, it's not as simple as, you know, if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. And so there's, Number of, of shows, as a matter of fact, about 25% of the shows that are currently uh, out and available right now are still actively producing new shows and have 10 or more episodes. So that means that of the 2.2 million, only about, let's just call it 550,000 or so uh, are still actively producing shows and have. 10 or more episodes. Yeah. So I think that number maybe gives a better depiction on 
the number of podcasts I guess you're competing with or not even yeah. competing because I do think that if someone listens to my podcast, that doesn't mean they're not listening to yours either. You know, you can listen to multiple podcasts at once. So it's True. not like one takes away from someone else. But yeah. yeah, if you think of it in the terms of oversaturation, it's not like there's 2 million active podcasts that are all doing super well. And you're like kind of fighting to be in that. So that's something to, yeah. I guess, encourage people is that as long as you're consistent and, you know, active, like you're already ahead of 75%. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's really it. I mean, but it's just, it's the same thing with anything. It's the same thing with, uh, even if you look at social audio, right. In terms of clubhouse or one of the, you know, the other channels, if that's where you choose the platform that you choose, uh, is different than clubhouse, right. The, the fact is those, those people who are doing well on those respective platforms are those who, who are consistent. I don't want to mm -hmm. say they show up every day. Um, but you know, those who show up, consistently are certainly finding a lot more traction uh, every time they open up a room than those who are are obviously inconsistent. So the two, um, the, the, there's, there's absolutely a, a correlation between the number of podcast episodes that you put out and the number of downloads and listeners that you're able to acquire and attract, as well as in, in social audio, the number of rooms that you open up there's definitely a correlation between that number and the number of people that you have as followers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is that every business can benefit from a podcast. Um, I would say that's actually not true because there are some businesses that frankly don't need to have a podcast. If you have a, let's just say like a social worker or a psychologist or something of that nature, and you're in business and you have a business uh, but you only have a certain number of hours in the day, right? And you only want to see four or five patients uh, a day at the most. Mm, a lot of those practices get filled by word of mouth. And if you're good at mm -hmm. what you do, then you're able to, to attract others uh, in terms of uh, more patients, more clients that you see. Um, and ultimately, your, your schedule is full. So. Could that same person put together a podcast? Sure. But reality is putting together a podcast, as we just talked about, requires consistent effort. I mean, it requires time, energy, and resources. So do you want to be investing three or four additional hours a week into having uh, your own show? I mean, in some cases, it makes perfect sense. And in other cases, you know, it, it just doesn't. I, I really do think it depends on the industry. And it also depends on on you and do you actually want um, that level of attention you know do you do you want people to to see you on social media and like some people just don't you know they don't want that sort of visibility um, and they don't need it so I, I would just simply say it depends could every business benefit sure does every business need one no yeah I think that's also reassuring because I do think there's such a big push now that you have to be on social media. And I think that, yes, you do. You should be on social media in some way. It's kind of like having a website now, you know, where people can find you. But I don't think you need to be, you know, this huge social media page or uh, become an influencer or anything like that to have a successful business. You know, I think yeah. it can help, like you said, but it's not as necessary as some people kind of make it seem or like push for. Um, yeah. And a lot of times I feel like people that are pushing for it are like selling a course or, you know, like doing something to help them to kind of really help them also in return. So I think that it's not always necessary. And that's reassuring because some people, like you said, like don't want to do that. Like that's just not what yeah. they want to do and they shouldn't have to do that. So I definitely agree with you on that one. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about your background, Steve, and hear about what you were doing before, you know, po the podcast magazine and uh, before starting a podcast Give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so um, I started out way back in the days DJing in clubs and built out a pretty decent following of, uh, of folks who liked the music that I was spinning. And so at 19, I actually opened up my own nightclub, which was a non-alcoholic nightclub. But, uh, but yeah, I opened up my own nightclub when I was 19, uh, then got involved in the world of catalogs, uh, launched very early on. Uh, in the online world on CompuServe's Electronic Mall back in 1993, which is many months ago. Uh, and that company became Liquor.com, like what you drink, and uh, had the S1 filed, ready to go public in March of 2000 with that company, and then everything imploded. 
So walked away from all of that and got involved in real estate development, commercial, residential, office, retail. I mean, you, you name it, we did it for sale, for rent, uh, et cetera, over the last, uh, over the, you know, about 12, 14 years or so. Uh, and then got involved in this kind of new media landscape with podcasting and, um, and put a book on the New York Times list and coaching and speaking, uh, et cetera. And just always had a love for, for the world of audio, uh, specifically the world of, of podcasting. And I launched my podcast, Reinvention Radio, in 2009 uh, and sold a podcast, have done podcast events, uh, and helped thousands of people launch market and monetize uh, their own shows uh, as well. And then, uh, as you mentioned, in 2020, uh, um, actually our first issue came out in February of 2020, uh, we launched Podcast Magazine. And so our goal really at the time was to kind of create the rolling stone for music. The, you know, that was the idea there is let's create something for the podcast industry that's similar in scope. Uh, and so we've been doing it now uh, ever since. No, that's incredible. You have such a diverse background. Like you've done so much in so many different industries. And I'm curious, this is kind of a side note, but how did you go from creating a non-alcoholic nightclub to then a liquor magazine? Yeah, right. So so liquor.com uh, was interesting story. So my grandfather actually started in the liquor business back in, in the late uh, 1930s, early 1940s. And so we had uh, a family business that was in the world of alcohol beverage. Um, and so the, um, the fact of the matter is that there was an opportunity uh, after I got down in the world of, uh, of the nightclub world to take a small piece of the family business, which was basically like FTD for flowers. So if you were in Chicago and you wanted to send a gift of, of flowers to somebody in Miami, you know, you'd, you'd call FTD and FTD would have it delivered by a local retailer. Well, it was the same thing. Uh, for this small b- piece of the family business called Liquor by Wire, uh, which basically allowed you to send a bottle of champagne or spirits or whatever it might be to pretty much anyone, um, almost anywhere. But it was a very small piece. There was very little going on in terms of revenue for that business. Uh, and I felt like there was a pretty good opportunity there. So that's how I jumped into that mix by taking that very small piece and starting to build it and develop it. Uh, and then ultimately, when we had the opportunity to buy the domain liquor.com in 1998, uh, we, were, we were in a position to do so. Okay, interesting. No, that's really cool. And when you started a podcast in 2009, I feel like podcasting wasn't very popular back then. So what yeah. made you start it? Like when, when did you hear about podcasts and why did you think it was a good idea to start back then? Around 2008 or so, I really began looking into uh, buying brokered time on radio stations. Because for me, uh, having a radio talk show always kind of felt like the holy grail. I mean, it's really what I thought I wanted to do. Just have a talk show, talk to people, have them call in, answer questions, that sort of thing. So I started looking into brokered time at that point, which basically means you just buy an hour, buy two hours or whatever it is um, on a local radio station. And uh, in early 2009, uh, that's what I did, is I bought time on a local Chicago radio station, a small AM station. And it was not inexpensive to do so. And, you know, the results were, were decent, but it just kept coming up for me that, you know, if you're not in your car or at your house with the radio turned on at that particular moment in time and then tune into that particular station within where this broadcast signal can reach, you're not going to hear the show. And so when you come right down to it, that's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the number of people that are potentially interested in my mission and my message. And so a friend of mine uh, around that same time started talking about podcasting. And I was really intrigued because it felt to me like, well, this is sort of like a global radio station from the standpoint of I can put this show out and then people anywhere in the world, if they have access to Apple Podcasts or whatever their distribution platform of choice is, can download that episode and listen to it. So it means I could literally reach almost anyone, almost anytime, almost anywhere in the world with that same show that had previously just been available to people who were able to hear that signal at that particular time in the Chicago market. And so that's when I, I 
I dove headfirst into the world of podcasting, and uh, that's when we released uh, the first episode of Reinvention Radio as a podcast. And so it just really felt to me like this kind of levels the playing field for people who want to get their, you know, their 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 word out uh, about what it is that's uh, important to them and what puts fire on their soul. people listen to podcasts back then was it apple podcast primarily yeah when did the iphone come out i feel like it came out in what 2007 2008 around that time yeah i mean there there are some people who will tell you it came out even sooner than that and it did but the reality is you know apple podcasts in terms of having the ability to go and get the show and then download it and put it into your ipod right i mean that's part of the reason why they call it a podcast is because you were able to download that file and then put it into your iPod that really started to take hold in the late late I don't even know what you call that first decade but around 2007 8 9 exactly is when it really started to, to take hold but again there was just you had to jump through so many hoops mm-hmm. in order to listen to an episode that that there were very few people who would who would make that effort yeah who were the other people in the space that were kind of competing with you or also entering the podcast world then. Yeah, way back in the day, I mean, obviously Adam Curry is going to be the name that comes up um, quite a bit. You have uh, Adam Curry was the original guy on MTV when MTV actually was all about music and those sort of things, right? Way back. Earlier on, Mark Marin, um, you had people like uh, Todd Cochran and uh, uh, Rob Walsh and people like Paul Culligan. Uh, and Dave Jackson and others. So a lot of, even Johnny Lee Dumas got involved very, very early in the space. So um, there uh, there were a lot of people, but not a lot of people that you would know, right? So right. reality is that most of those folks who got involved very early in the space, um, very few of them have shows today that are that are anywhere near as popular as as you know some of the, the the folks that you see on the top ten pretty consistently. Yeah, and how has it changed since you started a podcast? Like, were you making forty five minute episodes interviewing people, or were you still putting out like informational content? Like, how has the world of podcasting changed from two thousand nine to what it is today? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the the fact of the matter is, I would say that the biggest thing that's changed is not necessarily the content at least not my content, other people's content. When you look at, like, for instance, one of the biggest categories uh, in the world of podcasting is true crime. And so those shows have become a lot more highly produced, a lot more highly polished, episodic in terms of just having a, a series, right? So it's not just kind of the endless interview type show. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. So you start to see a lot of that changing quite a bit. Um, and again, the production value really uh, has has shot through the roof. And people are spending real money producing shows. So that's that's fairly new since 2009. The interview show hasn't changed much. Right? Maybe mm-hmm. now you have some commercials in the middle. Maybe you have them a little bit shorter. Maybe you have them a little bit longer. I mean, you can look at a guy like Rogan. Um, some of his inter- interviews go two, three hours. Yeah, right? most so, of them go like three hours. <laughs> yeah. So, so what does that mean? It means that if people were saying, "Hey, you know, we've got to make these shows shorter. We got to do this," like Rogan's kind of said, "To hell with that!" And we'll just talk as long as we need to talk, and we'll have some really interesting conversations, and we'll see what happens. So, the the industry itself, I think, though, um, since two thousand and nine, what's what's changed most. I would say dramatically uh, is the is the way that you access shows. Being able to access podcasts from your car, as an example, when you got Google CarPlay or Apple CarPlay, right, and you can just push a button right there on your dashboard and be able to access those shows. That's a huge new phenomenon that really has helped to move things forward. When you've got multiple distribution options, right, like Spotify. Depending on who you talk with, Spotify actually, again, depending on the numbers and the source, is responsible for more downloads than Apple at this point. 
right? Then you have other platforms like Castbox, and uh, and and anyway, the the point only being that there's just a lot more options in terms of where and how people consume podcasts, and ultimately, that's one of the reasons why the industry continues to grow uh, is just ease of access. Mm-hmm. And with that, I mean, it is a lot easier to discover new podcasts. I would say, you know, you have the top charts, and you have like on Spotify, you can see the different categories, and it'll recommend some new podcasts that have come out. But I still think that the podcast world, compared to other social media platforms, is harder to get discovered on. You know, the sure. YouTube algorithm provides you. You can go down a rabbit hole on YouTube and find videos that you would have never even searched for. Like yeah. TikTok, the algorithm feeds you exactly what you want to see and exactly your niche, but the podcasting world's a little bit different. I think it's been pretty difficult to find podcasts and especially new episodes or new podcasts that I, I would enjoy. So what are some tips that you have for how to create a podcast and how to actually get people to listen to it and find it, especially if you don't have an audience on other platforms? Like what's a good way to help you grow your podcast? I'd love to sit here and say that there's a magic bullet and there's just an easy solution for this. And there are strategies that you can leverage that I'll share. But the the odds of catching Rogan, you know, are are, are slim to none, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, could it happen? Could someone do it potentially? But you just have to set realistic goals and have an understanding of why you're doing your show and what it is that you hope to happen, have happen from putting your show together, right? So, I mean, I think that's number one is just understanding, like, what's a win? Like, how do I know when I win? Because if you, if you don't have clarity on, on what it means to win, then it really doesn't matter in, in terms of all of the other metrics and whatnot, discovery and downloads and so on. So why are you doing it? Right? So just gain clarity on that. That's number one. Now that said, once you have clarity around why you're doing your show and what you want that show to be about and how you want it to impact people and who it's for, you do have to really start thinking about, okay, how, how am I going to get found, right? I mean, it's, it, it, that is the game, discovery and download. And I will tell you that if you have a show that doesn't speak to a specific problem, it's going to be really, really tough. Because what you need to think about is you need to think about your podcast in terms of search. What are people searching for? When they go to that search box or they go to Google and they type in whatever that word is on the word podcast, you have to be found based on those search terms. So like, you know, the name of your show, right? Fun show. You've obviously done really well with it. But in terms of search, people aren't necessarily using your term to then find your show. So let me give you an example. So, and I know this is going to seem blatantly obvious, but Again, to win today, you have to think about it in terms of what are people searching for. So we have a client who uh, helps. She is a photographer by trade, and she wanted to get out of the trading dollars for hours routine of just being hired as a wedding photographer or our mitzvah photographer or whatever. And so she has been uh, in the world of photography for decades. And she's been really good at helping other photographers create profitable photography businesses. So when she was thinking about creating a podcast and she knew that she wanted to use it as a tool with which to attract potential clients who would either enroll in one of her group coaching programs or hire her to be, you know, for her to be their coach. The question was, how do we get people to tune in and hear her so that they can see that, okay, she really is great at what she does. and They should hire her or be a part of what she's doing. So anyway, long story short, we branded her as the profitable photographer. And we really took advantage of what we call the new media trifecta, where the brand, the podcast, and your online course are all of the same name. So the profitable photographer is her brand. The profitable photographer is her podcast. And the profitable photographer is her online course, right? And so that helps when somebody starts searching for photography, right? She's going to come up in that search. And that's the same thing that you want to think about is ultimately, if you want more downloads, you want to be discovered, et cetera, just think about it in terms of what are people searching for and then brand yourself as closely to that as humanly possible. 
Yeah. And I also think, I mean, using like podcast titles or episode titles, you know, to your advantage and using even the SEO and the description, because again, when people are searching for things like I've, I've gone on podcasts and I've searched specific keywords or terms. Like if I have a question on a certain, I don't know, like way to run my business, I'll like kind of search some terms and usually what comes up is episodes and I'll like just click on the first one and listen to it, you know? And so I think people need to view it more as, you know, a search engine, if you will, especially if they don't have an audience elsewhere, rather than just, oh, what's like a cute and catchy title? Because that might help once you're already, you know, have like thousands, tens of thousands of views. But when you're starting out and no one knows who you are, a catchy title isn't going to get you anywhere. No one's going to, no one's going to see it. So I definitely think that, especially with episode titles, being super strategic with like, what you're what you're calling it and like what purpose this serves is really really important and do you think that consistency matters when it comes to cert like people finding it or do you think that matters more when you have a loyal audience um well first of all i mean your your points are really well taken and that's super smart right because again if you can't come up with a catchy title i'm not saying that's the end all be all right like no one's ever going to discover you and your point's really well taken. The discovery through titles, through descriptions, through keywords, et cetera, absolutely can help from that standpoint. So great point. When you look at the, the podcast world as, as a whole, what I, I really just want people to, to understand and to, and to hear me on is that you know podcasting for most is a tool right it's it's a tool that you can use in complement to what it is that you're doing in the world and ultimately if you're talking about whatever it is that you're talking about and you love talking about that subject if people show up and start listening and start downloading or start enrolling in in relevant offerings etc that's really just just a bonus Right, because the the key is just really think about it in terms of what can you talk about as if no one is listening and as if no one is paying you for it, because you just love talking about it. And if you come at it from that standpoint, where you find a subject that really just puts fire in your soul, and you really just love this particular subject, then you just stop getting so hung up on everything else in terms of the discovery, in terms of, you know, the downloads and all that. And you're going to want to do it consistently. And because you love that subject, you'll show up week in and week out. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, your passion is going to come through in every single episode that you do. I think that's so important that you have to have a passion for it because it's one of those things that this isn't like a four-week trial. You know, it's you're literally going to be doing this for the foreseeable future and it's your podcast usually is about a certain subject or a certain category it's not all over the place so whatever you're talking about you have to be able to talk about for 52 weeks out of the year you know that's (laughs) it's a it's a weekly dedication so it's something that whatever you do decide to do I always tell people I have some videos on my channel about you know how to start a podcast and how to start a successful podcast. And one thing I always say is like, whatever topic you decide to talk about, you have to make sure that you can talk about that consistently because this isn't something that it's like a one-time assignment and that's it. Like make sure that you have topic ideas and things that you can really like expand on because sometimes people kind of dig themselves in a hole where they get too niche, I would say, where then it's like, okay, I don't even know what to talk about anymore. I'm not passionate about this. And then they give up. And that's probably... 75% 75% of the people that don't have, don't, don't have consistent podcasts. And it's because they didn't think that this is something that, you know, they didn't think about, okay, how, how can I talk about this week in and week out? Yeah. And your, and your point's really well taken. And so, yeah, I, I mean, again, it's a wonderful industry. It's a wonderful way to build your credibility, build your authority, elevate your status. And it's a wonderful way for you to even just keep in touch with your with your fans and those who want to hear from you on a consistent basis and at the end of the day you want to have fun with right. the show right and if it's not fun for you you're going to stop doing it because if you look at it in your calendar and you go ugh i got to do another show 
eventually you're just going to stop doing them. Exactly. Especially when they're, it's probably not making you a lot of money. Like it's, you know, it's, it's probably, especially if you don't even love doing it and like you just started, you're probably not even seeing a dollar from it yet. So that's for even harder to do something that you like with literally no reward at the end of it. So yeah. I think also with, when it comes to podcasting and monetization, you were mentioning how you had sold a podcast before. What yeah. does that mean? Like, I don't, is it like selling a business or what are you selling? Are you selling the rights to the podcast? Or I guess, can you touch on that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So in 2018, 2018, I launched a show with a couple of co-hosts uh, called Beyond Eight Figures. And so the idea of Beyond Eight Figures is we would sit down with entrepreneurs who have either built and sold a business for more than um, $10 million or are currently running a business that generates more than $10 million annually. And so the idea of the show is we'd sit down with them and get a sense of, you know, how do they get to where they are and, and, and take us through how you built a $10 million plus business or exited for more than $10 million. Anyway, um, so we did that show for about a year and a half, almost two years. And then someone approached us. Well, actually, we put out the call to see if anybody was interested in buying the show. And we had somebody say, you know, tell me more. So we shared the, the details of what the show was doing in terms of downloads. And obviously, we have the name and the URL and the email list and people that have come into our world. And so um, all these things that I, I encourage you to think about when you're starting your own show or starting any business, right, which is what's the, what's the IP that you, that you own? What, what is it that's of value to someone else? I mean, the goodwill is all part of that. But do you have the domain? Do you have a trademark? Do you have an email list? Do you have a social media following? Like what, what are all the other assets that you have as it relates to your show? The number of ratings and reviews, right? I mean, like all of those things add up in terms of value. So we packaged all that and said, hey, here's the value in terms of what we bring to the table with the show and put together a, a price that we thought was fair for the show. And that's what they bought is they ended up buying all of the past episodes, they bought the domain, they bought the email list, and, and we helped with the transition uh, as well of, of moving them into uh, the new hosts uh, of the show. So yeah, we, we sold a show. So when you sell this show, were you hosting it every single week or was there like a different host every week? Or yeah. how did your audience take like the new structure? Like, did they kind of just have become the host and then make it their own or did, were they just like completely starting a new show from scratch, but just using your audience? Well, that's the other thing that they, in, they inherit obviously is the audience. So no, I mean, we, we did a couple of transitionary episodes where one was, I brought them on um, and introduced them and let people know what was going on. And then the second one, we talked about their vision for the show and how they were going to take the torch uh, and run with it. And then from there, it was, it was just them leading the show. And so the honest truth is we didn't receive uh, even so much as one email from anyone saying, how could you? Why would you do that? This, that, and the other. Um, they just continued on as the hosts of the show and were able to benefit from everything already being in place and hitting the ground running. And how many listeners did you have at that time? Oh, it was did nothing. Really? It was nothing. It was a six-figure-plus deal, and I think we were averaging about 300 downloads an episode. So if you were, if you were doing, if you have more than 300 downloads an episode and you would like to, for me to help you sell your show, reach out for me. I would be more than happy to, to help you with that. But seriously, we were doing no more than like 300 downloads an episode, and it was a six-figure-plus deal. Why did they pay six figures for that, though? Like, I... I guess I'm struggling to see like how you can value it. That's where the story comes in. And, and a lot of what we do as entrepreneurs is we tell a good story, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you think about who listens to an episode of a show called Beyond Eight Figures, it's not just about, okay, there's 300 people that are listening to an average episode. It's if you put me in a room and you put me on stage in front of 300 people 
that are listening to a show called Beyond Eight Figures. The question is, what can I do for those people that moves beyond simply the information found in the conversation and the interview? So if I'm sitting on stage and I'm interviewing someone, you know, and again, we, we had the founder of Ugg Boots, we had people who started billion dollar company, like we had, you know, all these, so let's just say I'm sitting on stage and I'm, I'm conducting this interview and there's 300 people watching this interview. They're going to learn a lot from the interview for sure. But what's going to happen afterwards? Afterwards, a lot of them are going to want more, right? They're going to want to be in community with folks who can help them get to eight figures and beyond. They're going to want to get personal guidance and coaching. They're going to want to get you know, business templates and, and things to help them along their journey. They're going to need a lawyer. They're going to need an accountant. They're going to need right all of these people. So as you start thinking about it from that standpoint, what can you do with those 300 people and what's the value? If we can get 10% of those 300 people to invest in a $10,000 program or some sort of service, right? So now that's 30 people investing in a uh, $10,000 something, that's $300,000, right? Mm -hmm. That's a fairly low conversion rate when you come right down to it. That's a 3x return for them. So not only did they get all of their money back, they got a 3x return when they bought the show and they have all the assets of the show to lean on moving forward. And as they invest in the show, they'll continue to grow and, and scale. So why would they pay six figures? Because each listener has value. Mm -hmm. And how did you find this person? So like, is there, I, I don't think there's like a, a marketplace of... <laughs> well, that's actually not true. We, um, we are in the process. So through Podcast Magazine, um, that is something that we are doing actually as we speak. So that, that okay. marketplace, yeah, that marketplace and that valuation tool um, is something that we are, um, are we'll, we'll be launching that actually very, very soon. Okay. That's really exciting then. So it's going to be a place where podcasts can sell their podcasts or podcasters can sell their podcasts. So it's an opportunity for you to gain an, a general understanding uh, of what the value is of your show. And then we'll have a marketplace for if you want to be connected with a buyer or if you're a buyer and you're looking for shows, um, it'll all be right there for you. And then obviously we'll, um, we will sit in the middle of that transaction to make sure that everything goes smoothly between the parties. Okay. That's really, really interesting. Cause I had never heard of a podcast being sold before. And if you think yeah. about it, I mean, it makes sense because it's just like a business being acquired, you know, like you companies mm -hmm. acquire businesses all the time and no one thinks twice about it, but a podcast essentially is a business, especially when you put it in the way that every single listener is worth something like they have some value. And when you have a podcast that has a very engaged audience or has a very specific audience, like for example, yours, that was people who are looking to make eight figure businesses. They're probably also high, probably high net worth individuals. I would guess the people that are listening so they can afford yeah. an expensive course or an expensive, whatever, like, you know, they, they have a monetary value to them. So I think that's really interesting. And it's something I never thought about because I'll, yeah. I'll look at like, oh, businesses that have been acquired or I'll be like, oh, okay, like I'm starting a, a business myself. And so we're obviously thinking about, okay, at the end of the day, X amount of years, if we get acquired and it, to us, it's like, it's, it's normal, you know, that's like a normal exit strategy, but podcasters don't think about it that way. I think, I think it's like, okay, I'm done with my podcast. I'm just going to shut it down. And it's so much more yep. profitable to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's, you know, let's chat when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love my podcast, so I'm not selling anytime soon. Okay. There you go. You heard it here first. It's not for sale, <laughs> which is just going to make it more attractive to somebody who wants to buy it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me, let me hear the offers first. <laughs> oh, see open to offers. Right. And that, and that's the thing is you never know how much something is worth until you actually put it through the numbers. Um, and then you'll see, I mean, if we're doing 300 downloads an episode and we're able to structure a six figure deal, do you, Share publicly what your numbers are, because I don't want to put you on the spot here if you don't. Not publicly. I have over a million downloads like total on my podcast. Yeah, right. So you run the math, and that could become a pretty compelling proposition. And it's also a matter of who is the best buyer for it. 
right? Because if you think about it in, in so far as, you know, the people that you attract, who is going to pay a premium to, to land in the ears of your audience, right? Because someone is going to look at it and they're just going to be like, oh, it's just the numbers, it's 10,000 downloads. Okay, it's X number, that's the value. But what if that buyer, it's like the perfect fit audience for the, who, who they are and what they do, that's probably worth two or three or four or five X to them than just simply the number of downloads if somebody's looking at it on a, on a CPM type basis. Yeah. And I always, I mean, that goes with any social media platform. I, I know so many influencers that all they look at is the number, but I'm like, you have to yeah. look at your audience demographic and see who is your audience because that shows your value. You know, like you can have a hundred thousand followers, but if your hundred thousand followers are super random and they're all over the place and they don't even engage with your content or you have a hundred thousand followers, but they're international and you're trying to work with a United States based company, like that's not going to help you at all. You know, your value goes yeah. down significantly. Not, it doesn't matter that you have a hundred thousand followers. So yeah, right. I, I think across the board, people need to start caring about their audience a little bit more and not even just in the terms of like, Oh, like actually engaging with them, but caring about who they are and who they attract, because that's important, you know? And I, I, I see it a lot actually with a lot of times women that are, you know, posting photos that are a little bit more, I don't know, like scandalous or risque, and they attract more of a male audience, but then they'll try to work with brands that are like very female oriented. And it's like, you're not, even if you have a lot of followers, you're not going to get that brand deal because, you know, majority of your audience is male, even if you are not. So I think it's like the same exact thing with that. Like I, it's, it's hard to explain to people that cause they just look at the number. Cause I feel like every like society only cares about that it's like oh my god they're they're verified or they have this many followers but you actually yeah. have to look at the analytics way more than that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um, it's an interesting proposition and and i would just say you know stay the course because it, the numbers that you're at right now I mean, there's there could be some pretty compelling opportunities for you it's interesting to anyone listening also like the fact that that's even an option because i think Honestly, before I talked to you, I didn't even think that was an option. So opening yeah. up that opportunity is really cool. And yeah. now I feel like there's more than just, okay, a standard podcast. It's, there's things like Clubhouse and things like, um, you know, Spotify Green Room and Twitter Spaces. How do you feel like that is going to affect the podcast industry? Or do you think those, those like social audio clubs are dying down? I mean, look, I, I will simply say that from, from my perspective, what we're looking at right now is we're looking at the birth of a new industry, right? And mm -hmm. so if you look at the early years of, um, of Facebook, the, the first couple of years, they struggled like crazy to, to attract users to their platform. If you look at Instagram, the first couple of years, they struggled like crazy, right? To, um, you know, to, to attract people to, to their platform. So, the the reality is there's i mean there's always going to be these ebbs and these flows when you have the birth of a new industry yeah no that is really interesting and before we go i wanted to ask what your piece of advice is to someone who is starting a podcast in 2021 when there's 2.2 million podcasts out there and it's continuing to rise <laughs> i mean i would just say that the the fact of the matter is, you know, there there are people who are literally waiting and praying for you right now to show up in their lives, right? And you have a unique message and a unique mission to share. And ultimately, I think it's our obligation, our duty, our responsibility to do whatever we can do to reach them. And so I just encourage you to 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 not get caught up in the numbers. Don't worry about it in terms of you know, this number of, of downloads or this number of emails that I get or this number of social media followers. Just think about it in terms of talking to that one person who really needs to hear what it is that, that you have to say in your own unique and singular way. Um, and if you just focus on that and again, talk about something and find a subject that you absolutely love and, and you enjoy sharing with others, um, it, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may, it may not be next week, next month, or next year, but at some point, um, there, there will be a benefit to your being consistent and, and staying true to, to sharing that, which, which, you know, really 
helps to, to get you out of bed every morning. So there's somebody out there who's waiting and praying to hear from you. So do whatever you got to do to reach them. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for being on my show and for coming on my podcast. This was really interesting and I think very encouraging to podcasters out there. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. And uh, of course, uh, for anybody who loves podcasts, definitely check out uh, Podcast Magazine, right? Because that's, uh, that's, that's what we love doing every month is getting that thing out uh, for those who love podcasts as much as we do. Yeah, we will have all of your links in the show notes. Anywhere else that they can find you besides the Podcast Magazine? Uh, Clubhouse. Join us in Club Pod. Club Pod is the largest podcast club on Clubhouse. And um, we've got over 66,000 people uh, that are a part of what we're doing there. So definitely join us in uh, Club Pod. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.